Baby. Oh, mama. There it is. The catchphrase. The catchphrase is in the house. The episode has started. I'm here. I'm queer. Get used to it. <laughs> I'm not. But anyway. <laughs> Welcome to Button Chops, the podcast where two miserable millennials from Northern England ask, what's the crack with video games? I'm Chris. And I'm Matthew. How are you doing this week, mate? I'm absolutely fine. How are you? I'm absolutely fine as well. We're both absolutely fine. Yeah, it's just a bit cold nowadays, isn't it? Oh, it's fucking freezing. I just had to set up the the podcast set up with like my knees because my hands didn't work. (laughs) Is it it even cold down in Brighton? Of course it is. It's not. It's not I Australia. Thought it was like a tropical country. It's freezing, but okay. I've just been down the. I've just been down the seafront, so my hands actually don't work. So uh, for like three that's, hours. I'm, as sorry, well. I'm sorry to hear that. I'm really. I'm sad. It's minus two, I think. <laughs> What's the storm called? Is it called like Brenda or something? Oh, God knows. Storm Deirdre. I thought it was called Beast from the East too, like a sequel. I thought it had a name. <laughs> I thought it had like a sort of dowdy old woman's name, like Eunice. Button chops. Storm. <laughs> Storm. <laughs> Joan. <laughs> Storm, Storm Margaret. Those are both the names of my grand- grandmothers. <laughs> That's how I know that they're old women's names. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> before we uh, get into it this week, we just want to say a big thank you to anyone who's tuned in. We're uh, what five episodes in now. And uh, just a friendly reminder that leaving a review helps the podcast massively. So uh, mm-hmm. if you've enjoyed our clueless chatter, leave a review. It'll help us grow and uh, you'll we'll send you a bun. Yeah. We also don't even really know if anyone's listening, do we? So if you like put it, put some sort of like in-joke, one of our many in-jokes in the reviews, just go and put Ho Mama in the yeah, reviews. Yeah, just put Ho Mama. If, leave a review at five... I assume it's out of five. <laughs> I don't know anything about reviews. I've been told that leaving a review on a podcast helps it a lot. So do that or we'll find you and we'll not give you a bun. We'll just stand in front of you with the bun and eat it. And you'll be like, oh, fuck's sake. I wish I had a bun, but you won't have a bun because you didn't leave a review, you fucking twat. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this week we're talking about our most anticipated games of 2021. Um, cause it's 2021 now, isn't it? Oh yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the last year has felt like a decade. Still feels uh, like 2019. I don't remember <laughs> what 2019 was like. All I remember <laughs> is that I'm not allowed to go outside. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like that Mitchell and Webb sketch, you know, the, the game show in the bunker. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Please remember to stay indoors. That's what life has become. <laughs> Well, we've evolved into podcasters. Yeah. yeah, it's driven it's driven us to this. Like we used to be functional human beings that did normal things, and now look at us, we're doing a fucking podcast on video <laughs> games. <laughs> on video <laughs> games, <laughs> pathetic. So yeah, our most anticipated games of twenty twenty one. Eh, I, yeah. I'm, I was like when I was putting this list together, I was like, oh, do I even know what's coming out? And I feel like that is quite a thing for people at the minute. For, for for the first time in quite a while in the video game world, like people don't really have a massive understanding of what's coming out. It feels like it's been a while since we had like a solid like E3 and things like that. 
you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely, it's slowed down. I think there was a poll out the other day that said, like, video game sales were up, like, I don't know, like, 79% or something in America. Yeah, yeah. Something ridiculous like that. But developers have still been hit by the pandemic. You know, mm. like, they're all having to work from home. That's slowing the... Uh, the ability for them to make games right down and it's also slowing down the big press events and stuff like that even like the nintendo directs where the, you know it's just someone standing in front of a green screen hmm. that must be infinitely more difficult to coordinate and sort of put together i mean it delayed the the announcement of the super mario 3d all-stars release i think that was supposed to be announced in march last year and then the pandemic hit and it didn't end up getting uh, announced until like september because the whole world was just sort of scrambling trying to work out what to do so i think like companies have adjusted to it now but i quite like the new like i'd say more pre-recorded uh video game conference setup than the the old school ones the old school they, they were so cringe like these like corporate people coming out like acting cool in front of like loads of proper sweaty gamers yeah. <laughs> and wheeling, wheeling out a celebrity and everybody be like Woo! Yeah. and like Keanu every time Reeves yeah. oh fucking hell I'm gonna be sick every time like any small little thing happens like it could be like for example like I don't know Call of Duty pulls out like an RPG and there's an explosion. Like everyone's like, "Whoa, whoa!" Like clapping and screaming. Every time there's yeah. a dragon on an RPG game, everyone's like, "Whoa!" Like there's never been a dragon in an RPG. Everybody game. fucking, everybody screaming while fucking Activision spoon feeds them another spoonful of fucking hot diarrhea. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a new Need for Speed. Mm. Yeah. Enjoy your dinner, you fucking idiot. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. <laughs> but I quite like the like the format of the new ones. I remember the PlayStation uh, Five announcement. Though. I was a bit dubious as to whether they were like green screened. Some of like the the staff like in between, not green screen, like CGI. Some of the staff in between looked so fake. <laughs> it's just like, is that a real person? Well, like Especially Luke Skywalker to, like... at the end of the Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah, it's just like an emotionless avatar. <laughs> <laughs> we we are proud to be gamers. Like in some blue shirt, nice one. Mate. <laughs> some of them they were painfully awkward some of them but that just adds to the charm you sort of like you have a little chuckle at like how uncomfortable this person is in front of the camera yeah yeah and then you get a game trailer yeah i love uh watching every now and again when i want to make myself feel better i go on youtube and like watch e3 like cringe compilations <laughs> it's just I've never like, seen one. <laughs> oh i mean i have to it's so good even just like the like the the audience and stuff like that some of them are yeah. so weird and the camera goes proper in on them. They're like, <laughs> waving signs around and stuff. <laughs> and I think it's like, I think it's like the backstage interviews yeah. that are like particularly bad, where it's like some sort of B-list media professional and yeah. then some like off off tangent video game member of staff. And it's just like, hi, hey, mate. And they're like, oh, yeah, hi, are you all right? Yeah, we're developing it really well. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. And it's like, great. Well, Gaming, I mean, gaming generally just is a medium for introverts and that, like, the the people making the games are no different, really. Like, these mm. aren't people who can kind of comfortably go out and, and uh, 
you know, just swing their dicks round and, you know, like they're, 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 they're weird. As, as if that was a goal of life. <laughs> but it is, I mean, it is in a lot of industries, like, but, you know, I mean, we're mm. weirdos and we play games and the people who make games are weirdos as well, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, should we delve into our most anticipated games of 2021 then? Sure, yeah. I mean, I think it's good to start with. I did a little. We did a little bit of research, <laughs> didn't we? We had a little bit of a look at uh, a few, a few lists. Had to scour the like, internet and find out who everybody else thinks is the most anticipated game of 2021, there, and there you found one, it. There was one game that seemed to be across all lists. <laughs> one game that everyone is really, really excited for this year in 2021. What is it? Grand Theft Auto Five. <laughs> been out for like 10 years on it <laughs> so you said this you said this before we started right you were like oh by the way i'm adding grand theft auto 5 and i'm like what <laughs> hang on what <laughs> explain this what in what context are people still excited for grand theft auto 5 because there's a ps5 like remake isn't they or well like a remaster where they're like oh this the city will be so much more alive than ever with New water reflections. <laughs> so, mate. New Sod water off. reflections. <laughs> yeah. So when they announced, because uh, I remember we watched the we were watching the PS5 announcement thing at the same time, and the first game that they announced for that <laughs> was that Grand Theft Auto Five would be available on PS5, as if anybody thought it wouldn't. But has the has there even been like an upscale sort of like like PS5? version issued like i took that initially as oh you get a ps5 and you'll get grand theft auto 5 for free you know seeing as it's like the most successful piece of media ever made <laughs> yeah, yeah. and like no like i think you you've still got to fucking buy it even though yeah, i bought, I bought it across two previous generations <laughs> i had it on the 360 and i've got it on the ps4 yeah yeah so i'm not getting it again <laughs> <laughs> But it's it, ridiculous. It, I mean, the the online Grand Theft Auto online is still like going really strong, isn't it? Like that's like mm. a bit. I've never never played it online, but uh, it's still like a really popular online service. Like I thought it was maybe like an allusion to that, or mm. fuck, I don't know. Do you know? Do you know? It was actually it was in the in the the gaming news the other day mm. um, that in January Grand Theft Auto Five had its most successful year. I mean, month of all time. Jeez. Like. What, this they year? made the they made the most money last month of any month it's been out. That's absurd. It's because of this, like, um, do you know they've got like a casino in it and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Like a real functioning casino that people can just go to and like mm. put money into and see if they can make yeah. more money. It's got like a it's, functioning stock market and stuff in it. Like, exactly. Yeah. So by most successful, I mean they made they made more money last month than they made when it came out. I think. Yeah. Um, I should really give the online a go. I'm paying for a PlayStation Network subscription that I just don't use because I don't play anything online. (laughs) (laughs) So I might as well give it a go. I mean, Grand Theft Auto is outrageously fun, so I'm sure the the online is class. Yeah, I think it can get a bit... I I remember playing it for a bit when it first came out and I turned it off straight away because I couldn't get enough money to get anything. And there's people like flying around in like jets and all sorts yeah. and the, the online game is like its vehicle base has like grown so much bigger than the, the single player game mm. so there's all sorts of different like um like blimps and stuff like that <laughs> 
You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. just, there's just everything. They've just they've, they've probably thought of everything they could possibly think of to put yeah. in that game. So when there's 64 people or whatever it is in that world, it's just nuts. There's stuff flying around everywhere. Yeah. There's people doing like aeroplane stunts and going mental. And it's 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 kind of like it's it's funny and it's interesting uh, from like a industry side of things. But I don't know. I'm just a bit it's a bit sad in it because. When are they going to bother releasing another GTA game? I remember like the PS2 generation, there was like, what, three Grand Theft Autos? Or at least yeah. two. So much more work goes into them now, though, than would have needed to go into just making like Vice City and Grand Theft Auto 3. Yeah. So I I, I assume GTA 6 has been in development for years and mm. is probably still going to be in development for many more years to come. Um, but it'll definitely be coming. Um, I'm sure I read that there was like a, like a leak going around that GTA 6 will have like the first female protagonist in a GTA game. Yeah, I can imagine um, them doing that. It's definitely happening. It's definitely coming. I mean, now that they've, they've gotten Red Dead 2 out, you know, there's no way the GTA 6 isn't the next game. Yeah. But I still think that's a couple of years away. So everyone's really excited for Grand Theft Auto. 5, I can't but... wait. I can't wait to not play it. <laughs> <laughs> but what are, we, what are we actually excited for? Well, the first one on my list here is Resident Evil Eight Village releasing in May. Are you excited right. for Resident Evil Eight Village? <laughs> Why are you saying it like that? Because that's what it's called. It's called Resident <laughs> Evil Eight Village. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, I'm really excited for it actually. I think it would be really good. I love Resident Evil 7. And it's a isn't it a spiritual successor to Resident Evil 4? I haven't got a fucking clue. Yeah, I believe <laughs> it is. Uh, it's a sequel to seven, because you play as the same character, don't you? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Ethan, Ethan yeah. E- Ethan no surname. It's called Ethan Winters, mate, actually. Ethan Winters. <laughs> I thought you were I thought you were a games journalist. <laughs> I thought you were a games podcaster. Imagine I just turned my mic off now. I'm just like <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna cut you off now. I'm just gonna continue the rest of the show myself. <laughs> I'm gonna like been... talk and then reply to my own questions. <laughs> so Chris uh, Chris Redfield's back in this one, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's the baddie. Is he? Yeah, yeah. What oh, well, about he's been the... portrayed as potentially being the baddie. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's got like a Ooh. A weird, a weird motive. Yeah, I know. Tantalizing. <laughs> um, and it's got a giant woman in it. The internet loves the giant woman. <laughs> Lady Dimi- I don't know how to say this. Dimitres- Dim- Dimitrescu? 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 That sounds right. Lady Dimitrescu. What about Demi? We'll call her Demi. Or Debbie. Big Mama. That's what we should call her. <laughs> uh, I've played, the, uh, I've played the, the Resident Evil Maiden demo. Oh, yeah. I was literally going to ask you about that. Um, yep. How was that? Because I haven't it's actually good. spoken to you at all. Oh, nor, have I, nor do I even know anything about that demo, actually. It's uh, it's very short. Um, the graphics are amazing. Um, it's just sort of like a... F- it is just sort of like a flashy tech demo. Like, there's not a lot to it. It's just sort of showcasing the atmosphere and mm. um, just the way, like, the ray tracing and stuff, like, really enhances the like the survival horror aspects, I guess. So it's, you start off locked up in a cell and then you just have to escape. And it's just sort of like a little sort of jaunt through this sort of freaky mansion house, manor house that uh, that all of these vampire women live in. 
And uh, it like I played it. I played it at night, um, and I was just sort of sat going, ah, no, ah, ah, no, and then like sort of stopping, standing in a room for a couple of minutes, being like, I don't want to go any further, and then eventually going on further. Um, it was really, it was really cool. Um, I think the game will be really good. It felt very similar to Resident Evil Seven, to be honest. Mm. Um, but I am excited for this. I'm excited for for Resident Evil Eight Village. Do you think the demos like? I remember the demo for Seven, and it was sort of like an extension to the story. It wasn't like a part of the main game. Do you think that's the case with that? I I assumed that it was a part of the game. I felt like I was just playing like a very short snippet from an early part of the game. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> it's like, it's it's very quiet and it's all atmosphere until the very end and there is like a sort of exciting, scary bit right at the end. Um, but <laughs> overall, I think it took me like 10 minutes to finish and it, it, yeah, just sort of felt like it was a little chunk of the game. But I don't actually know because mm. we're gaming journalists and we do, <laughs> we don't know anything of the thing anything about the things that we talk about on this podcast. Yeah, we've Apparently. been sworn to sworn to secrecy and paid off to say positive things. Yeah. <laughs> With our review codes. Yeah. <laughs> Capcom sent me a bag of jewels. <laughs> There's a bag of sparkling shiny jewels just to say that Resident Evil Maiden was really good. And it was. It was. They didn't even need to send me the jewels, but now I've got the jewels, so. (laughs) I like that this one's sticking with the first-person theme rather than, like, off the back of the success of the remakes going back to the third-person camera. Mm. I mean, I did really like that, but I liked it whilst it was around. I I kind of appreciate them going back to where they were going and giving it a bit of context. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I, I haven't finished Resident Evil 7, I generally prefer the third person uh, perspective. Hmm. I didn't love the first person. I'm sure it works really well in VR, which I think Resident Evil 7 was partially made to sort of push. Because apparently like the playing in VR is like a totally different experience. Yeah, I wouldn't be doing that. No, I, I would be, <laughs> that would be horrible. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, like I did enjoy what I played in Resident Evil 7, and I'll definitely be getting this. I think it would be nice to get a new Resident Evil third, like a third person Resident Evil that's not a remake. Hmm. I I mean, we're getting a Resident Evil four remake apparently. Um, Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, I'd I'd like to get like not like a third person action oriented one that's like a sort of like a a five or six where it's you know like they were sequels to four and they Hmm. continued more along the action route than the horror route. I like the survival horror thing, but I generally, I just sort of, I don't know, the first person perspective in seven, it added a layer of atmosphere, but it also sort of gave me a headache. Yeah, yeah. yeah I just, I mean, I think as a rule of thumb, I just prefer third person perspectives over third, first person. So that's probably I think just the me. horror. I think the horror element can't really be betrayed by Capcom if it's in first person, though, I just think. Yeah. I could see them if they went into the third person um side eventually doing what they used to do with punching boulders and yeah yeah all that stuff but like i think if it's first person it it, it makes the game like feel intimate and yeah. as a result as a result they almost have to keep it horrifying because if it's first person and it isn't 
true intimate horror, it would just become like a Call of Duty game. Yeah. And they couldn't do that, surely. You know what I mean? They could, but surely they wouldn't. <laughs> they <laughs> could, I mean? but they shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, you would hope. You, I mean, yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. I'm sure for a lot of people, yeah, the first-person perspective made the game better. And it was definitely a return to form for them. Um, yeah. Because people like Resident Evil f- because it is traditionally a survival horror game. Mm. Um, but, I mean, I would argue the remakes of 2 and 3. I mean, not a lot of people liked 3. I thought three was the remake of 3 was really good. Yeah, um, it was a blast. But they still have, especially 2, have like a very sort of thick um, sense of atmosphere and dread even mm. with a third-person perspective. And it meant that, like, I was scared, but I also wasn't getting a headache. Mm. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm sure I'm sure it'll be really good. So Yeah. I think they're on a good path for now, you know. Who knows where it'll go. Maybe, like, you know, 10, 15 years' time, they'll just completely restart the entire series and do something like a Resident Evil 1 again. Not a remake, just a new telling. Yeah. And maybe then they go back to third person. But it looks like for now, this is the route that they're on for like at least, you know, a couple more games. And I think it's a good route and I can't imagine them deviating too wrongly from it. Um, Especially if they just keep, you know, remakes and stuff to third person. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely working for them. So why why change it up? Yeah. Um, Capcom have been doing so good like last few years. Been doing so so many, putting out so many good games, like true to their roots. Like Devil May Cry was a really good return yeah. to form, and um, I think I think Capcom are on good paths, so should just stick to it. Yeah. Do you remember the trailer for Ghostwire Tokyo? Yeah, that's Capcom, isn't it? It's from the maker of Resident Evil. Resident Evil. I'm saying that really <laughs> long because I'm googling Ghostwire <laughs> Tokyo. <laughs> Resident Evil. No, it's not a Capcom game. It's from Bethesda. <laughs> well, I was wrong about that. But it's, uh, yeah, it's got something to do with Resident Evil. That looks good. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> moving on. Um, That's one of our most anticipated games. Next up on my list. Well, we don't have individual lists. I think we're just sort of spitballing around, but uh, Horizon Forbidden West. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Um, yeah, same. Did you, you, you must must have played the first one. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. I didn't, I didn't, um, when I got almost to the end, that was, I swear it was the same period when I got burgled. Another push of the uh, burgling story. Stop, and, fuck, um, just let it go, mate. Fucking hell. Some, something <laughs> happened. Something happened anyway, and I had to start again. I probably I probably didn't play it for two days. I have to go back start all the way back to the start again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know where she is. Um, anyway, I, d- I went back again and got all the way through it and I sort of rushed it on the second playthrough, but I still think it was amazing. I just didn't think... The only, my only thing with Horizon was that I didn't think Aloy was very, like, relatable. I think she was in, like, such a marvellous world. She didn't really seem that bothered. Really? Like, yeah, she didn't seem, I like... I don't know if relatable. She didn't seem, like, fascinated by anything. She didn't seem to be, like, taken back by anything she found. She sort of just, like existed within it she was like she she had like she had a, a, a personal character development but i think like as she had discovered new things about the world and what what had happened and how we got to where it was it's think she didn't really like seem to take anything like on the chin she was sort of just like yeah, that's that uh, i never felt like emotionally I didn't, I didn't attached like to that. her i felt that it was everybody else in the well i mean because the, the the whole conceit of the game is that 
you know, the, she's part of a tribe of technology fearing, like nomad types. And she was always raised, she was raised to sort of shun that, but she was sort of naturally curious. I didn't, I felt that she didn't, she wasn't amazed by everything because she had a, like a naturally scientific approach to sort of her own curiosity and the things around her, which I mean, without spoiling any of the game is sort of justified in the later stages of the plot. Hmm. That's my idea. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, I think it was really good. (laughs) I think the story was solid. But it wasn't really about the story. Like the gameplay was so good, especially for like an open world game mm. with how you chipped away at the dinosaurs, and every one of them had like this really individual ways to like take them down. Yeah. Or maybe you don't. Maybe you wanted to take out the the cannons first, to, so maybe you had problems with that. You'd do that first, and then chip out the legs, put them in traps. Yeah. Like you could do it so many different ways. It was so fun. It had a really good combat system. I I personally thought I loved the story in it. I thought the dialogue was dog shit but the actual story itself was fascinating i thought yeah i mean it's i think it's backdrop and it's context were really strong i just didn't find aloy very relatable mm, but i mean enough. that's not even a negative i'd still give it the story like a nine and a half out of ten and the rest of it was a almost a ten i'd say yeah um it was really really good but it's the I, maybe just the the unique sort of dinosaur gameplay was just outshadowed the story a bit it was one of those games where it's sort of following in the template of like ubisoft open world where it's just a massive map full of stuff that most of it isn't like that engaging but it had just enough sort of interesting gameplay elements like the the way that you have to sort of find the weaknesses in the big robots and then take them down and Hmm. like the intrigue of the plot um that i really appreciated that it 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 stood out above like a cut above the kind of stuff that like ubisoft has been churning out for years now yeah um, and it's one of the it's it's a game that i'm excited for the sequel because i really liked the first one but i hope that they sort of change up a lot of the boring open world elements in the sequel and mm. sort of not streamline it but just sort of find a more interesting way to you know like frame the whole thing you know, mm. find more interesting side quests, find more interesting things to do in the world and ways to interact with the world. Because I always feel like that's a big issue with like these open world games is that mm. it's like the world around you feels like it's just something, it's like set dressing, it's just there and there aren't mm. any meaningful ways to interact with it. Mm. And uh, I'm hoping that they sort of find a way to like build on what they did in the first one, but make it less of a sort of slog in certain sections. Yeah, yeah. I think they could almost do with a little bit of, you know, the the CD Projekt Red, like, mega side quest approach where they should have, like, some branching side quests, like, even just a few, five or six throughout the entire yeah. game where they're just, like, really plot-heavy, substantial, really good characters to get involved with that you yeah. wouldn't have met unless you went down those things. I think they could do with that just for the sake of the world building. I felt like every time I went into a new uh, place, a new city, it was just, like, pick up loads of quests and I was found myself like starting to skip through dialogue which I hate doing but I just didn't want to hear about why I was going to collect like a few things from like a nearby abandoned settlement or whatever I was just skipping through it because the rest of the game is so good I think it it it, it is it's a it's a really simple workaround because I mean 
all of the conversation around like open world games is always like our oh, side quests are boring it's just like fluff and it's not interesting stuff they like they rarely find interesting things to do but the way that the witcher 3 got around that was that it just put a lot of really thoughtful writing into the side quests mm. and that was it you just all you needed to do because the actual gameplay and a lot of the side quest in the witcher 3 is walk to a location use your witcher sense follow a scent yeah find yeah. a thing fight a beast then go back like it doesn't really break the mold in that respect but the the actual plotting and um and writing in them in in those side quests made it more interesting and yeah. that was something that horizon didn't do very well was that like a lot of the voice acting um and the dialogue was kind of weak yeah. Uh, and it, it, it detracted from your interest in the side quests that you were actually doing. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Well, on a really positive note, I felt like the, the world was so vibrant and so beautiful and incredibly unique uh, like and so detailed. And this new one, just looking at the trailer, looks like it's just like doubled down on it all, you know? Yeah. You've got, you can go underwater, there's... So much more variety to the to the landscapes. Where it's almost like what was the DLC called? Frozen Wilds. Yeah. When you got I think when you got that in Horizon, that was a nice change. Because that added like a new colour palette and yeah. whatnot. I didn't play the DLC. I should play it at some point. What we're we going into next? In fact, hang on. I wanted to say something else about Horizon. Um <laughs> Yeah, like I th- I think it's quite common as well in video games where you get a new a new sort of series come out that really like knocks it out of the park and is a big hit and it, it sort of it gives the the developers the fuel and encouragement they need to to release like an absolute like belter of a sequel like i think it's very common in games that like the second one is often better than the first one so i th- i think that with this mm. i i hope at least that the kind of um, guerrilla games who made it have learned the lessons of the first one and know exactly how to sort of build on what they they did, but make it a lot better. <laughs> like a totally yeah, yeah, uncontroversial, yeah. Yeah, sure. uninteresting thought. But yeah, <laughs> I, <laughs> you heard it here, folks. I hope that Horizon Forbidden West is better than the first one. <laughs> the thing. Um, they made Killzone, which I really liked. Killzone the Halo was Killer, really, really Killzone. Good. Do you remember that? When, uh, yeah. when it was announced, PlayStation was Halo. Like, oh, it's the Halo Killer. Spoiler alert, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked Killzone 2, though. I remember having like proper blasts on that with my mates in school when we got home. And so the graphics at the time was insane. Yeah. Like, like ungodly good for that time. Um, but then the following games were kind of, they started to just go down the same route. And the graphics stayed the same for like 10 years. So they, they had like a, a big industry changer, quite similar to what they have with um, Horizon. And then they did plateau off, but maybe they've got some here because Sony definitely seems to be like pushing it as, you know. Yeah. Aloy, Aloy's one of the centerpiece characters of the Sony console. Yeah, I think so. when, it was first, uh, when it was first announced, the first one, it was met with sort of scepticism because Guerrilla Games hadn't made a game like that before. But uh, I think the Killzone games are good, but not, like, amazing. I feel like they've definitely sort of found their jam with this one. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Next up, 
on I've got God of War Ragnarok. Alright, this one shouldn't it? Should should be on I mean I'm just gonna throw this out there. I don't even think this will be out this year. <laughs> I would be amazed if it comes <laughs> out this year. We haven't even seen anything from it yet. Yeah. It's still slated for this year, but I don't really see that happening to be honest. I guess I'd quite like to see this to see God of War not really show too much though. Hello, it's Chris from the future editing this episode to tell you that around this point in the conversation, our Zoom audio completely buggered up, we lost our internet connection and had to restart. So after this little brief intermission, the conversation will resume now. One of one of my things with God of War though is I feel like they could probably get away with announcing this quite quickly from um reveal revealing gameplay to release do you want to take but, your mask off <laughs> i have my mask on um but I think <laughs> i'm leaving that in <laughs> for, for listeners by the way we're on zoom audio and i was just sort of wildly gesticulating at the camera for him to pull his mask down <laughs> Um, but I think God of War could get away with just announcing like, here's what it looks like. And then it's out in like two, three months because I think the game is so, um, wildly played and wildly acclaimed. Everyone knows about it from the, from the reboot yeah, soft reboot that, um, I think they can get away with something like that. And I don't, maybe it won't be this year, but it's, it's set for PS4 and PS5. So I can't imagine a PS4 and PS5 AAA main title coming out. 2022 surely well i don't know i mean i think the focus will probably the further out it gets pushed the more focus they'll put on the next generation version of it in the market and whatever but uh i think sony had said that they're supporting the ps4 right up to like 20 the end of 22 2010 2022 um yeah so yeah i mean i i think with this one i'm not really i'm not really expecting much different from god of war to be honest uh, almost to the point where I'm actually not really that excited about this anymore. Yeah, she just know it's going to be really good. <laughs> I think it's just going to be more of the same, you know, to the point where I'm excited to see the story developments. I'm excited to see them introduce Thor. I can't imagine the gameplay deviating or the 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 format deviating that much. Um, I can't really imagine a huge improvement on the graphical style of it. Yeah. So I don't, I guess I don't really know what to expect other than I just think it'll be more of the same and that sort of dampens it a little bit for me because I just think, well, you know, God of War was amazing. Mm. If it's going to be more of that, like good, because I loved God of War, but it's probably not going to match up to that sort of experience of playing the God of War reboot, the 2017 God of War for the first time. Hmm. Because yeah. you know, like you know what you what's in store this time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, maybe, maybe, but maybe you don't. I mean, what if, um, what if they sort of pull a Last of Us one in this, where it's like halfway through, they switch playable characters to Atreus, and it's past a certain amount of time, um, yeah. and then they set the the wave. I mean, they set the future for God of War to be Atreus as the okay. main character. How about this, right? So, <laughs> at the very start of the game. Thor comes in, right, with his golf club, mm. and he smashes Kratos's head in, right? <laughs> in front and of a then, screaming Atreus. And Atreus then has to go on a revenge 
mission mm. to get Thor for smashing his dad's head in with a golf club. <laughs> and then midway through, you just randomly switch perspective and now you're playing as Thor. <laughs> makes you makes you think, doesn't it, really? <laughs> that that sounds pretty good to be fair. <laughs> really it makes you think. It makes you think about violence and how it's bad. <laughs> and how violence is so bad. And you now know that because you're being forced to play as a character that you don't like. Anyway, uh, yeah, God of War Ragnarok. <laughs> Not a dig at The Last of Us Part 2 at all. Um, yeah, I expect this will be good. I don't really have a whole lot to say about it because personally I think it will just be more of the same. But like you said, it could, it could totally subvert expectations. Mm. I guess we'll find out when we actually see something from it. But I think the fact that we haven't seen anything from it besides a logo and some voiceover, which to me, I was excited to see it, but I was also a little bit like, it felt like Sony was like leaning on Sony Santa Monica or whatever they're called. (laughs) The developers of God of War to kind of go, please give us give us something to put in our PlayStation uh, <laughs> presentation to get people excited. Because all we've got is GTA 5. Yeah, because all we've got <laughs> is GTA 5, and we already showed a, a trailer for Horizon. Please, anything. I, I, one of the reasons I'm excited about this game is, I think, for the, the PS5 functionality of it, especially with the controller. I'm excited to see how they implement things like, you know, if, if it is going to be a battle with four, how do they implement like the feeling of lightning of like getting shocked into the controller? How do they develop further like what was already pretty solid feeling of like catching um, the the axe, um, the Leviathan axe when yeah. you throw it and you get it back? Because that was a really solid thing for me. I think well, they, they they have such a a really good attention to detail at Santa Monica that I think they could really um, they could really develop th- those things out with the new tools. Yeah. I hope the PS4 doesn't the PS4 port doesn't hold it back, but I don't think it should. You know, no. Well, that's the thing though. It's it's cross gen, so the the differences between the two are going to be minimal. And I think if you want to have an idea of what God of War Ragnarok's going to play like, I would probably look to the PS5 performance update of God of War because mm. I've noticed that I I started playing it. I just played like I don't know, like half an hour of it and then put it down and it was great but i've noticed this in a lot of the performance updates for ps4 games to ps5 you will notice the sort of differences um in like the haptic feedback but they're not they're not like huge like monumental changes Hmm. um and because it's coming out on ps4 as well i think the differences are going to be minimal like i don't see this as a next gen god of war i see this as this is a sequel to the first one, it's probably going to be largely the same, and then the next one will be a, a fully next gen version of it. Mm. I don't know what that will look like, um, but I can't imagine that this one is going to be a huge step up. To be honest, yeah, for yeah. sure. It does seem like with this generation, I mean, maybe it's the COVID stuff and the fact that like people are really struggling to get consoles. Um, but it does feel like with this generation switch over that the, there's a bigger lag between like truly next-gen games and, like, um, 
and just seeing like polished performance upgrades. And the marketing around the game seems to be really heavy on like, oh, this is coming out and it's now 60 frames a second rather than 30. Yeah. Like, and I don't think I've really seen that very heavily before in previous generation um, consoles because I feel like they just sort of cracked on a bit more and got the next lot out. And I think it was mainly in the PS4 era where we saw like remaster culture where it was like tons of games coming out like anything like developers just putting games out that weren't even like massively critically acclaimed like seven mm. or eight out of ten and just <laughs> remastering them as like collections i think it's more to do now with the um just the amount of work technically that it goes into sort of building a game now because i mean like the worlds and stuff that you see in modern sort of triple a titles like god of war are like they're so detailed and mm that just naturally just takes longer. Yeah. And as well, like something I kind of mentioned in our Games of the Generation episode is that we're only seeing technical, incremental technical changes between consoles now. You know, like there isn't a huge graphical jump what we, in what we've seen from PS4 to PS5 because mm. the PS4 by the end of its life cycle, like the graphics looked incredible on it. It was mm. just sort of, the hardware was sort of struggling to sort of play it without your PlayStation sounding like it was going to take off, yeah. you know, whereas like now you get that like super high fidelity, incredibly beautiful detailed graphics and the, the PlayStation five manages it comfortably. Um, yeah, cause it's the size of an entire wall. Yeah. But it also <laughs> means that like both, like both those consoles can play these games, you know, and because it's taking longer to make games, it makes sense financially. And just from like the perspective of filling a steady release schedule that like developers are releasing them on both consoles, you know, I don't mm. begrudge them for the fact that they will be releasing God of War on PS4. It just makes sense like economically, but it's also like, it feels like for the next couple of years, as the generation slowly moves over to the to the you know the the Series X and the PS Five, it'll take a little while for us to see those big generational changes where we really see what the like the hardware can do. Like I think right now, the games that are going to come out in the next couple of years are just going to be like fancier looking versions of what we already had. Mm. So yeah, for sure. But uh, with that, we'll move on to the next anticipated game another game uh this is one i'm looking forward to and i know absolutely nothing about um but death loop oh yeah yeah you remember the they showed the trailer that's where i first saw the trailer for that um at the ps5 um showcase and i don't know if they'd even showcased it anywhere before that but i thought it looked pretty cool don't really know what it is (laughs) it's like a first it's like a first person shooter parkour thingy it's the same, I swear it's the same developers as the ones I'm just looking at who made uh, Dishonored, isn't it? Oh, it's really, it's a lot like Dishonored anyway. Yeah, they're called Arcane. It's like a French developer. Yeah. And Dishonored was a really good game. I've never played a Dishonored game. I think when, when we were watching that PS5 showcase and I said, oh, this looks cool. And you were like, oh, it looks like Dishonored. I was like, I've never played it, mate. <laughs> what, what's you that? really like Dishonored, actually. It's like, um, I mean, we're not going to go into Dishonored because that's not one of our most anticipated games of 2021. But mm. it was it was one of the first games I ever thought like was a true like sandbox and sort of potentially sort of inspired Phantom Pain to a degree because yeah. it was like you're, the approach to something, like an encounter, 
would be like a wide open like playground of like do you go over the top do you sneak in uh, from the top of the building and go down or do you go through like the vents in yeah. the bottom of the building and sneak your way up um, it was quite like that I mean even like Bioshock Infinite and that they were mm. quite like that um, I think that came out about the same time as Dishonored um, but I think those games are like really fun because they were so like infinite and like massively replayable yeah. and just ultimately fun like they're fun games they're yeah. video games through and through like well Deathloop than... definitely looks fun uh, I, what really jumped out at me was just the whole sort of presentation of it, like the aesthetic. It felt like they were trying to sort of make a Quentin Tarantino movie in a video yeah. game, um, yeah. and I'm 100% on board for that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's out in May. That looks pretty cool. It's um, out in May, is it? Yeah, apparently. That's what the internet has told me. It's what, the, <laughs> it's what I've been led to believe from Google. <laughs> is that only on uh, PS5 or is it on PS4 and that as well? No idea. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were a, a video game professional. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> don't listen to my opinion on anything. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Deathloop, it's out in May. You, if you've got a PS5, you'll be able to get it. If you don't, pff, fuck knows. You might be able to get it. <laughs> <laughs> you might be able to get it. I don't know. Why don't you fucking Google it, man? <laughs> Well, we're a video games podcast, so like that. <laughs> fucking hell. Um, next up, Returnal. This was yeah. uh, one that you specifically wanted to talk yeah, about. Yeah, I, I, um, this one seems very mysterious. It could turn out to be an absolute disaster. I mean, its name is a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> the trailer, I saw the trailer for it. I was like, oh, this looks really cool. I thought it, at first, like initially... My initial thoughts were like, is this a, like an alien game? Like it looked like it hmm. could be sort of playing around with the sort of action, more action orientation of like aliens. But then hmm. the more I get into it, it you know, it's clearly not. And then the, the logo the logo <laughs> came up at the end of the trailer and I just laughed out loud. <laughs> Returnal. <laughs> Hands down the worst game, name for a game ever I've ever heard. But uh, yeah, yeah. it does look good. Yeah, I think it, it seems to be touching on some like pretty unique concepts. Um, it's, a, it's a roguelike. Yeah, it is. But it's got these like it's got this um, time loop sort of thing. It's quite linking back to that death loop. Well, apparently yeah. when you die, you sort of like cross some sort of boundary of time that changes your entire game world every time you die. Mm. But it looks really polished for something that could have those yeah. kind of mechanisms it's a ps5 uh, exclusive so it's de- it's like a technically fully next gen game mm. just by virtue of the fact that it's only coming out on the ps5 but uh yeah, yeah. i mean just to explain for people who don't know what a roguelike is it's uh it was a genre that was sort of spawned in the early 80s by as you might have guessed a game called rogue and the whole <laughs> sort of conceit of that game was that it was it's like procedurally generated environments and you have to get through all of them in one go. And if you die, you get sent back to the very start. Mm. Uh, very similar to a very popular game from 2020 called Hades that mm. a lot of people played, myself included. Um, and it's that Hades especially sort of, uh, it it made the cut. Because I mean, my initial reaction to hearing a roguelite explained is, oh my God, I don't want to play a game where when you die, you go back to the very start. But what Hades 
did really well was going on runs and dying was part of the point because each time you would get stronger and you would get more mm. upgrades and also the story development was built into that entire loop yeah so i think if returnal can do that um and i i was watching a video uh, like a, a video preview of it and they were saying that de- uh, the developers were specifically trying to make a game that felt like it was infinitely replayable mm. um I, I think if they kind of if they can pull that off and build the upgrading system and uh all of the replay value into encouraging players to go on repeated runs and and just sort of savor the fact that the failure and getting killed is kind of part of the enjoyment yeah, i think yeah. it, it, that that it will be really uh <laughs> good game yeah i like the fact that i mean i don't know because it could come out and this could be like a side scroll or something like that but it looks like it's like truly got triple a polish and yeah there hasn't been definitely. any rogue like triple a games you know they're usually reserved for like indie studios yeah, yeah i haven't played hades but i played dead cells yeah which was a lot like that and they didn't have story um sort of changes when you did die you did die and you had to go all the way back to start but you came back yeah. a bit stronger and you could repurchase weapons that you found throughout the world um and that game was really good but this looks like it might be able to push the boundaries of exactly what you can you're able to like see on screen um in that context of like re, re repurposing a world every time you die and giving you something entirely yeah. new you know yeah yeah i mean it's out in april um I think I probably will buy this when it comes out. Hmm. Reviews dependent. I think the only thing that makes me worry about something like this is it is so mysterious, which is exciting because games like this can come out and be really surprising. That's hmm. they're the better they're the better experiences, really. But it, like you said there, like them saying things like infinite replayability, it sounds like they've got like massive ambitions for it. And games with massive ambitions generally haven't failed, fared well recently. <laughs> well, I don't think it's quite as a, um, I don't think it's quite as hyperbolic a statement as some of the stuff that CD Projekt Red were <laughs> churning out ahead of Cyberpunk. Like, <laughs> I think it kind of makes sense in the context of it being a roguelike to say, oh, we're trying to make a game that has infinite replay value because I think all that is is really is just providing players with like enough of a carrot to keep them coming back. Hmm. And I mean, actually never escaped in Hades. I got to the final boss fight, got killed maybe once or twice. And then hmm. I kind of dropped off on that. But that that is very much a game where it's very just playable. You just put it on and you just, you just bash through it. And hmm. I think if they can build in a really satisfying, just sort of, you know, enjoyable gameplay loop in a really with the sort of the beautiful graphics that the game clearly has um i think you know it doesn't seem like it's an impossibility for them to for them to pull off yeah did you see the did you see the um little little segment but did you see the trailer for ratchet and clank yeah yeah that like the way the the tool like i don't even know what exactly what's going on but it's like almost like a time warp i think it's tool. like they're, they're jumping across like through like through dimensions aren't they it's mad though, like the visual of it. Yeah, like, do you yeah. see this portal like erupt and like expand through, and there's like a whole new game within the portal that expands over your screen. Yeah, like that's kind of what I'm excited for games like Returnal to do in the next mm. gen, where it's like you could really push the technology 
to like really, really push for exactly what you can do within video games. Well, I think like yeah. uh, the reaction to the Ratchet and Crank, <laughs> Ratchet and Crank, <laughs> Ratchet, <laughs> the reaction to the Ratchet and Clank, fucking hell, that's so hard to say. That's like a tongue twister. The reaction to the Ratchet and Clank trailer generally uh, <laughs> was like, it was that it was a true showcase of what like the the solid state drive on the PS5 could do because I mean that that is the big one the big notable change with the next gen consoles is that they've got these like super fast um, super fast SSDs in them that allows them to just sort of massively cut down the loading time and I think if you try to play like put that sort of thing where you like at the you know, at the press of a button, you're loading in an entire new level instantaneously. Yeah, you, it's part of the gameplay mechanic mm, as well, yeah. not just a loading screen. Yeah, you, like, you couldn't do that on current-gen hardware. That's what, you know, like, that's the kind of thing that the next generation is built for. Yeah, I was yeah. watching a... Uh, the, I, there's a YouTube channel I really like, um, a guy called The Democracy, who does, like, mm. a lot, like, Souls content sometimes watch him on Twitch and he was saying, and he pointed this out to me and I was like, oh, that, that I never thought about that. But you know, when you're playing a game like Last of Us, especially like Naughty Dog games are, are very notable for this, where there's like a mini cutscene where you help like a character over a wall or you give someone a boost. Like that's a yeah. hidden loading screen. Like they're yeah, yeah, there yeah. to like it takes you out of the game for a minute and it tricks you into thinking that you're still playing the game by making you press a button or whatever. But actually, what that is is it's loading the next part of the map. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, like I think that that is the sort of thing that I want. Like we're gonna see phased out of the next sort of generation of games where it's like y- you want to have the hardware utilized in a way that. Uh, that actually takes advantage of the hardware and cuts out some of the trappings of like previous generation mm. games that like were kind of annoying and slowed down the gameplay. Like I always feel like moments like that just take you out of it. Cause that's literally mm. what it is. It's taking you out of the game to allow the game time to load the next bit in. Yeah. So Yeah, it's very exciting. I mean, I'm I'm actually really up for playing that Ratchet and Clank game. I've never really been too into it, but just for the sake of like seeing exactly what the PlayStation like goes through on, yeah. on a pretty much a launch game it'd be amazing. I've never played something a Ratchet like that in really. No. Oh, they're all right. There are the, one of them is free on the PlayStation Plus collection. Um yeah, yeah. thing for PS5 owners. Did you know that I've got a PS5? Have I ever mentioned <laughs> that? I probably haven't mentioned it. I've got a PS5 just so you know. Yeah. But can you imagine like something like that like sort of moving over to you know, like a Dark Souls game, something like that, which could link into the next game, maybe. <laughs> like a Dark a Souls game where the boss sort of has some sort of like time power, where he has like a move that could like yeah. push you through the worlds that you've already mm. played through, you know? Like a complete world traversing boss fight. Yeah. Like that's the kind of power that the next generation has because it could process the entire game all at once and move you through it at yeah. an instant. You know, so there's so much potential for stuff like that, which is like really exciting. Uh, that's what people need to be doing. Like, I mean, not necessarily that. I don't, I'm not a game developer. I don't know uh, how hard that is to achieve, but there's certainly it's a probably push forward, easy. You know what I mean? It's probably easy. I don't, don't want to play. I don't want to play a Call of Duty game on PS5. Do you know what I mean? I just don't <laughs> want to play a Call of Duty game ever. <laughs> yeah, I anyway. did 170. I was on Modern, Modern Warfare, didn't I? 
you were shocked by that when I sent my PlayStation uh, my PlayStation wrapped. Up, oh yeah, you know, one hundred and seventy hours. Fucking hell, <laughs> that's absurd. I didn't think people still played Call of Duty. I think that counted pause screens. But anyway, yeah, next probably. game. <laughs> well, um, I just wanted to sort of take a moment for us to appreciate and discuss what I would say is probably the most anticipated game of the year, and maybe the most anticipated game of all time. Um, it's a little game called Lord of the Rings, colon, Gollum. <laughs> Are you I excited actually... for Lord of the Rings, Gollum? <laughs> oh, I saw, I saw this and I, when it first got announced, I didn't actually bother watching the trailer and I watched it as part of my research of this podcast. Yeah. And I was like, look at fucking state of that. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen Gollum on it? It looks horrendous. I mean, Gollum looks horrendous all the time. That's like, like that's pe- his it thing. Looks like people from Middlesbrough. It looks like from Middlesbrough. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't. I feel like we should retract that statement immediately and not besmirch, <laughs> not besmirch the good name of the people of Middlesbrough. People in Middlesbrough are listening to this podcast, man. They're robbing houses. <laughs> Fucking hell! <laughs> I'm from there. It's fine. Um, no, anyway. you're not. Yeah, yeah I am. Yeah, I there. thought you were born at the bottom of the sea. Oh yeah, to be fair, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, this game looks weird, doesn't it? I didn't know that this game was t- a tie-in to the uh, Amazon series, which has sort of deflated me on Is that what it series. is? Because it's a... Uh, I was reading it's set after the events of The Hobbit and before Lord of the Rings, so I just thought it was telling the story of Gollum being a sneaky boy. No, apparently it's tied in. All right. To the... Yeah, like, I know that Amazon are making their Lord of the Rings series, um... And I thought that that was sort of set in like the, like a, like a pre, you know how in the Tolkien canon, um, for people who I haven't, <laughs> I haven't read any Tolkien in a long time, but I like the events of Lord of the Rings, I think is set in like the third age. Yeah. And I thought the series was set in like the first or the second age. It's like a sort of previous sort of like Silmarillion era, um, setting mm. for the, the series, like exploring like the origins of Middle Earth, mm. you know? The forging it's of definitely the rings got some, and that sort of thing. It's definitely, it was confirmed that it's got some sort of tie into the Amazon. Mm. Hey, that's interesting. Uh, sure. maybe, maybe maybe Gollum just meets a character that survives for like hundreds yeah, of years probably. after the series or something. <laughs> it's just like, oh yeah, it's connected. The Lord of the Rings cinematic universe that Amazon's decided to build. Honestly, right, I read that there was a Lord of the Rings Gollum game and I watched the trailer and I just thought, <laughs> I my initial response was lol. But yeah. the more I think about it, this sounds like the kind of thing, right, that sounds like a terrible idea, and then it comes out, and it's actually really good. Yeah. Like, I remember when I heard that they were making, uh, that George Miller was making a fourth Mad Max film, mm. and I was kind of like, why? Why is Tom Hardy, what, what, whose idea? And it was like, it was in production hell, and it got delayed and whatever. It had, like, a really, like, troubled development and i just thought fucking hell like this is going to be an absolute shit show and then it came out and it was like literally one of the greatest action films of all time i'm not saying that i think lord of the rings golem is going to be one of the greatest games of all time (laughs) but uh it sounds like such an absurd idea that it makes me think maybe the developers have just come up with some absolutely genius way to frame an entire game where you play as Mm. golem and maybe it like it'll actually be really good the thing for me is that it's a stealth game, right? Yeah. Which never really 
sounds good to me. <laughs> a stealth game. Metal Gear can do it well, but a stealth is usually just like hiding behind rocks and yeah. then your camera goes a bit dark to show that you're invisible well, to the AI. Mod- I mean, modern, <laughs> the way that modern games tackle stealth is that it's a crouch button. <laughs> Every game yeah. just got a crouch button and tall grass, and that's that. That's what passes for stealth in games now. But I mean, you've still the got... The AI like, is completely blind if you activate certain mechanisms. Yeah. You know? But, I mean, stealth done well. Yeah. I'm, I mean, the, I, Metal Gear Solid is my jam. Like, I'm fucking so... I'm very defensive yeah. of stealth as a genre. Although I agree, stealth in games generally now is not done well. But the art style of this game looks really sort of quite childish, I think, and a bit cutesy. And I think yeah. a cutesy art style golem game that's stealth doesn't sound like it's going to have like advanced stealth gameplay. It sounds like a game that they're going to try and sell to kids of the new lord of the rings multiverse <laughs> you know i don't know i don't even know if i've seen like the, there's a cinematic trailer i don't know if there's been any gameplay reveals mm. yet um so i don't know i probably I like how w- you brought i like how you brought it up as like sort of a joke and we're like mm, is this really and now i'm defending game? it now, <laughs> now, now i'm like leave Gollum alone <laughs> it might be good it might be one of the best games ever well it could you be. didn't know about mad max <laughs> don't even know on what planet I could justify comparing Lord of the Rings Gollum to Mad Max, but by God, I'll do it. <laughs> um, That's a unique hot take on this podcast only. We're full of them. It's why it's why people just keep coming back. They can't keep away. We've got all these, these yeah. piping red hot takes. Um, yeah, like, yeah, why not? I'm probably not going to buy it. It's one of these things. I'll be like, I'm fervently um, defending it now and I'll definitely not play it. I think it's like, yeah. no, it's a it's a PC game, but I think it is um, slated for release on the PS5 and mm. Series X. So yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I'm sure everyone's really excited for that. I've got a couple here um, that are like TBAs. They're not actually confirmed for release this year but i think the general consensus is that we will be getting these this year the mm. first one thrown back to our dark souls obsession we can't get through a single fucking episode without talking <laughs> about a dark souls game is elden ring <laughs> are you excited for elden ring yeah, yeah definitely well good so i mean i don't know what i'm excited for <laughs> yeah we haven't seen anything game. from it besides this so i mean to explain elden ring is the next game from from software the makers of uh dark souls and sekiro and bloodborne and um specifically it's a collaboration between the creator of dark souls hidetaka miyazaki and um george rr R. martin the creator of game of thrones which i think has a lot of people really excited mm. But this is apparently going to be FromSoft's first open world game as well. How does that make? Is it going to be open world? Apparently. I didn't know about that. Yeah, it's going to be an open world game. Apparently, I, I, I that that makes me excited because I feel like that's what I wanted from Elden Ring. It's like yeah. some and just in a one little mechanism that can do new that's specific for Elden Ring. You know, the Dark Souls is completed. Sekiro has its its own things yeah. going on. They're slightly elaborate on the pre existing like gameplay, but if they can dabble in the open world mechanic i think that would be really good I yeah i don't know how they could do it wrong. my and so i think we've kind of established this before on the podcast but my initial reaction to hearing something is an open world is always a bit like oh no but in the case of from so it's miyazaki yeah because of from software because i just trust them so much 
I feel like they're going to find a way to do open world in a really satisfying, interesting way. And it will not mm. just be a straight, as straightforward as it's an open world. There's going to be some sort of wrinkle um, to the gameplay. I mean, I I think what I've read is that they're trying to do more of a traditional style RPG in, in mm. like the actual RPG mechanics than like a Dark Souls is. They're exploring, like they've said that they're exploring RPG elements that like the Dark Souls games didn't do. So it's not just going to be like another sort of medieval swords and sorcery type slashes, like hack and slash games like the Souls games are. It's, there's going to be more to it than that. But it's definitely mm. like in the way that Sekiro retained the DNA of like Souls, it's going to it's going to still have that. So I'm very interested to see what this is and I hope... I hope that it comes out this year. Yeah. I mean, they haven't made a single misstep yet. No, not even yet. Even slightly. Yeah. Well, People apart from Dark Souls like, favorites. Yeah, but even if that was still good. There's still good, good but it's not as good as the other ones. <laughs> <laughs> that was when they were too, they, were, they weren't brave enough though, to try anything like outlandishly yeah. new. You know, they were just like, oh, let's change the way um, you recover your full health bar and stuff yeah. like that. And Miyazaki it's wasn't very... involved in that one. Mm. And, uh, he is my god. <laughs> I worship I worship him. Every day I get out of bed and I stare myself down in the mirror and I just say, God, I wish Miyazaki was my dad. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm excited for Elden Ring. There's not really a lot to say about it because we don't know anything about it. Um mm. but hopefully we'll I'd be quite getting... like to see it I'd quite like to see it be a little I think so anyway. My decision on my opinion on this will probably change all the time, but I'd quite like to see it um try to have a bit more of a character focus quite like what Sekiro's done yeah and they don't not because I want that from from soft games moving forward but just because of George R. Martin I think so like, yeah I'm I'm very I'm very intrigued to see how his influence sort of shapes shapes it because hmm. obviously he's a very sort of plot driven character driven I mean, he's a writer, obviously, <laughs> you know, like the Souls games are not traditionally known for their, uh, for their sort of character development. And even Sekiro, which is like, is about Sekiro, the character Sekiro, you know, even that doesn't feel like massively character driven, no. even though you aren't sort of playing like a faceless, you know, character that you build yourself, you, you make, you're playing as a character. So I don't know. I have, I really have no idea what to expect. I just expect that it will be very good and they just get george to like write in like really brutal murders but in item descriptions for like the new equivalent of a life gem <laughs> oh i can't believe she died seven generations ago i read it in this item yeah nice one. <laughs> that's, what I'm, that's something i'm most excited for all the reading that i'll get to do because <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing for like anyone i mean if you're still at this point of this podcast and you don't understand Dark Souls or anything at all. You're probably a bit lost, but the thing about Dark Souls historically is they've hidden a lot of their lore and really fundamental plot points yeah. in item descriptions. Yeah. Well, not hidden. They've deliberately done it like that, but um, I can't imagine, you know, like something story-focused and as obvious and as Hollywood as potentially like a George Martin plot line yeah. um, being written into like how Miyazaki seems to prefer to tell stories so i'm interested to see how they come together yeah. i'm sure they're going to be fine i'm sure it'll come they'll come together with like something quite unique yeah i mean um, if i can hazard a, if i could hazard a guess 
because I don't really think it's been sort of announced exactly how much input George R. R. Martin has, but I think it will be very much a Miyazaki project that George R. R. Martin has had some, you know, is I think we'll have like the lesser of the input. You know, I, st- I think it's going to feel more like a Souls than it is going to feel like a Game of Thrones. Yeah. It's just going to have a really bad final season then. <laughs> Actually, no, that was uh, D.B. Weiss and David Benioff. Did you not know that? <laughs> D&D, hacks. I think they should both be hanged. And then I'm going to start a petition and have them reshoot all of the seventh season. And I'm going to write it. <laughs> What are you laughing at? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then the next the next one I had for to be announced, because again, it's expected this year, but it it might it might not actually materialize, um, is Breath of the Wild 2. So mm. it is on February twenty first, which this might go out after that, possibly. Will this go out after? I'll just get my calendar. I don't know. I have no idea um, I have no idea. I'm lost. Yeah, so February 21st, this this episode will be out after that. Um, but February 21st is the 35th anniversary of Zelda. And last year, Nintendo made a big uh, song and dance about Mario's, Mario's 35th anniversary. So people are expecting this year that we're going to get a big reissue of all of the 3D uh, Zelda games. Um mm. And that we're going to get Breath of the Wild 2. But I think the expectation is is that we'll be getting the reissues of the Zelda games um, sometime in March and then Breath of the Mm. Wild 2 for a Christmas release. Mm. But nothing's been confirmed. And I think maybe with the pandemic, like that could have, that could throw a spanner in the work. So we might not actually see it this year. But uh, I was about to ask you, are you excited for Breath of the Wild 2? But you don't even have a Switch. So you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you won't play it. <laughs> I might get a switch again for another week, yeah. just to uh, just to play it and, yeah, then, and then decide uh, that you don't, don't like really finish it. it. But I don't like it. I didn't really uh, try and fight anyone, <laughs> but I don't really like it. <laughs> just come out, come up yeah. with like, some completely pointless criticisms. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that, maybe that'll be my thing. I just don't like. Oh, I don't like Zelda. I'm so cool. You are cool. <laughs> I think you're cool, regardless of whether you don't like it or not. <laughs> I'm excited to see what they do with it, but haven't, they've already released the trailer, haven't they? And it looks like it's still in the same engine as Breath of the Wild. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's definitely... I think it's going to mostly function in the same way. I think... Um, do I think that's quite old, though? Do they not need to like make it a bit new? It was a Wii U game, wasn't it? Well, it was... A, yeah, I mean, it, the first Breath of the Wild was developed as a Wii U game, but I think the, it, I think the development ran over. It took longer to develop, and by all accounts it obviously doesn't run all that well on the wii u so it was kind of Mm. i think its release was like pushed back and it was it was marketed more as a launch title for the switch but it did come out on the Mm. wii u um i don't i mean the graphical the appearance and stuff, like the way it's a, it's a sequel to Breath of the Wild, and I mean it makes sense that they would make a sequel to Breath of the Wild because it's hailed as like the best game ever made by a lot of people. Yeah, and people don't really play Breath of the like people don't really go to Nintendo for you know like stunning you know like fucking 4K graphics the way that you look to 
you know, you you look to like to like Sony and and Microsoft for that. Like Nintendo is very much about the quality of the gameplay. That's not to say Breath of the Wild doesn't look beautiful because it, it it has a beautiful graphical style, but it's you know it, it looks very. Um, it doesn't look anywhere near as impressive as like some of the stuff that like Sony and that are churning out. No, yeah. Um, I I mean I have absolute faith that it'll be a really good game. Um, what I've heard is that. Um, apparently <laughs> Nintendo said that a big influence on the gameplay for Breath of the Wild 2 is Red Dead Redemption 2. So, really? yeah, uh, I, I don't, they didn't really kind of uh, delve into uh, any specifics in how it's influenced it. But I think in the, they said sort of specifically, I think in the, in like the open world design and like the, the mechanics mm. of the open world. So Link's, Link's just going to like, Trottle around really fucking slowly. Yeah, I think he's and stare at stare at his horse's balls as they yeah, like drop and rise. It's gonna have it's gonna have giant horse testicles. Um, it's gonna have really graphic uh, animations of Link skinning animals, and um, I don't know. You can probably kill prostitutes. Really <laughs> can you kill prostitutes in Red Dead? Are there prostitutes in Red Dead too? Probably. There's that, the, you can get the, the nice women to give you a bath. You think Link yeah. will be able to have a bath in Breath of the Wild too? They're not prostitutes, they're just hygienists. Yes. Professional cleaners. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, I, I, I think as well, like Breath of the Wild already seemed to inspire Red Dead in some ways, you know, with its farming and bits like that. Or at least Breath of the Wild might have been inspired by Red Dead 1. I don't think. Yeah. I can't imagine what that means, you know? Uh, well, I think, um, I mean, it, ahead of the launch of Red Dead 2, there was a lot of, mark, uh, like, Rockstar's marketing for it was sort of pushing the idea that they've built this open world that feels like a, like a world that goes on whether you're in it or not. Yeah. And I, I think that's probably what they mean because... Breath of the Wild is very much about the open world experience. It's about just being in uh, an environment that like exists independent of mm. you, and the, it's mm. all about the exploration. Um, so I imagine that that's kind of what they mean. Yeah, maybe they could ramp. Maybe they could ramp that stuff up a little bit. But they, I think that was one of the things that I really liked about Breath of the Wild. It was like you know, you went into you had to get. There was that kid in I can't remember what the village was who like had the weapon quest. He had to bring in the weapons, it's like a side quest. Um, and he he I always remember he always used to get up at about eight o'clock in the morning. But I used to get there about six in the morning. I'd be like, "Fucking little bastards, isn't awake?" <laughs> and I'd just sit and wait for him. And then every morning he'd wake up at eight o'clock and then go see his mate and they'd run up and down the street. <laughs> and then they go back to I bed. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I put 100 hours into Breath of the Wild and I don't remember that at all. That but I think like that is the, I, I mean, yeah, Breath of the Wild for me redefined open world games. I think it, it made made the modern approach to open world games that you see in like other, other titles like Assassin's Creed and stuff like that look really hollow because it, yeah. it created, it just laid down a set of rules and allowed you to manipulate them in any way that you want. And there was really, for the most part, something interesting to find pretty much everywhere. You know, you can just run mm. through the map and just keep yourself occupied by like finding interesting things. <laughs> um, yeah. And 
I don't know. I mean, Nintendo, Nintendo are just so good at making games that I, I have absolute faith that it will be good. I think from what my expectation is, is that it'll go similar in a similar direction to like Majora's Mask from Ocarina of Time, where I think it's going to get a bit darker. Yeah. But I mean, dark for Nintendo doesn't mean, you know, like fucking. Just means everyone's dressed in like purple. Yeah, and basically. And it's a bit it's not like murdering children or anything. Um, <laughs> and I think we'll probably, for uh, people, you know, for, for hardcore Zelda fans out there, I think we're going to have Ganondorf. Because the, the, the trailer pretty much solidly hints that the fact that like the actual man the Gerudo man Ganondorf himself will be in the game because in the first one mm. it was like this sort of like terrifying magical entity called Calamity Ganon yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think we're gonna I think yeah it's gonna lean more heavily into sort of um, lore and stuff that we've seen in previous Zelda games I don't know it'll be I, it'll be great yeah. Um, yeah I'm excited to see where it goes I'm more excited for an HD version of The Wind Waker um, to come out on the mm. Switch because I basically bought a Switch thinking, oh, I'll get all of the, you know, N- Nintendo will do all of the HD reissues that they did for the Wii U. They'll put them out on the Switch and I'll I'll get them. And they haven't released any of the ones I wanted, which was the Metroid Prime trilogy and uh, mm. the Wind Waker. And now there's like, I think there was like a, um, a trademark, there was a leak patent um, document that showed that Nintendo had trademarked the Wind Waker and Phantom Hourglass in Australia. Mm. Pretty strongly hinting that I think we're going to get the announcement for the Zelda HD collection. Mm. Um, so that is coming very soon, and I'm way more excited for that. So Yeah. Nice one. I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah. Um, well, sure. I'll play it, and then I'll tell you about it. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, mate. Yeah. No, no worries. We'll do a pod where I just listen to you go, Zelda's proper good likes Ganondorf's in it and that. I've got to say, mine, like I you should get a switch again at some point. Um yeah. I really honestly feel the Nintendo Switch is one of the best consoles I've ever had. And yeah. as it stands, I mean it does have a lot of games on it, um, but it doesn't have a lot of games particularly that I want to play. But there's just the stuff it does have that's really good, like Super Mario Odyssey and Breath of the Wild, is just amazing. And I think, like, over time, because we're, you know, at some point we're going to get Metroid Prime 4. I think there must be, there's like been long standing rumors that the Metroid Prime trilogy is going to get released at some point. That they've, they've already mm. got the port and they're just sitting on it. So I think that's going to coincide somehow with the release of Metroid Prime 4. I think when, when you mm. get the, get to that point and you're getting all of the reissues of the, like, the classic Nintendo stuff and the new stuff that they're doing, um, like, I, well, I'll, I'll talk about this when we talk about what else we've been playing, but I've been playing on, um, i got Super Mario 3D World with Bowser's Fury. Oh, yeah. And I, I just think like the creativity of like Nintendo titles in general just makes owning a Switch just totally worth it, even though you might not be yeah. getting like the consistent volume of games that you're getting, like, you know, on like mm. sort of Sony and Microsoft stuff that has a lot of third party support. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. that was my TED talk about Nintendo Switch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really, I really want to. I really do want to get one again. I need to get a PS5 first, though, and then I'll get a Switch. But I, I mean, I had to sell it. But the, I, I, there's quite a few games on it. Like even outside of the Nintendo mainstays, like there's a game called uh, Octopath Traveler, which is like a Square Enix game. Um, a couple of games like that that I really want to play, which are actually just exclusively on Switch. Yeah. Um, Xenoblade Chronicles and stuff like that. Untitled Goose Game. Been, yeah, well, I had that. Did you? Is that only on Switch? Nah, 
No, it's across it's across everything. That's coming out on PS5. <laughs> 60 frames per second. second. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Goose game, 60 frames a second. Can't fucking wait, mate. <laughs> well, that was it. That was the uh, most anticipated games of 2021. Um, it's time to move on to this week's Steve, which is what we call... <laughs> We this calls. is what we call we we <laughs> in advance of this agreed that this segment is called this week steve i will not budge on this that is what it's called i'm making this a thing <laughs> what a is <laughs> where we discuss what else we've been playing or watching this week it's this week steve matthew what's your what's your this week steve <laughs> my, my this week steve <laughs> Um, oh this is a bit dark actually can I say what I've been watching first (laughs) rather than playing (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to go Zelda to what I've been playing Jesus Um, I've been watching Attack on Titan the new season never watched it it's so good it's it's amazing it's got to the point now where it's like it's settled right into one of my favourite shows of all time period how many seasons is it it's really really good four but there's a lot of episodes, but they're only like 20 minutes long. It's proper annoying because every time it starts, it's got these like epic anime war films mm. and they change quite a bit. There's like, I think season two had like two. Um, and every time you start an episode, if you binge it, it starts with the, like a four minute long like intro. <laughs> and then they've got like an outro as well. And it's like for a 25 minute episode, it's like, how much how much story am I actually yeah. getting <laughs> between the well, that was That was something like, because it's an, it's anime, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So growing up, I had a sort of phase where I was like really into the idea of anime, but when I would sit down and watch it, I wouldn't enjoy it. Mm. Like I really desperately wanted to like Dragon Ball Z. And mm. I remember putting it on and you'd be like, what, like a 20, like a 20 minute episode like that. And about 60% of every episode was made up of two characters standing at either end of like some landscape just going ah! Ah! like just screaming at each other and i would be like is this actually entertaining me like nothing's happening here there's like two really muscly shirtless guys shouting at each other and it's i think that has become so deeply embedded in my idea of what anime is that it's totally deterred me from like ever delving into other stuff even though i know that like there is some like genuinely great stuff out there that I should give yeah. the time of day to. Yeah. I mean, um, Attack on Titans quite, it's a little bit more grounded. I'd say it's like an entry point anime. Yeah. If there's anyone, yeah. I'd say like anime purists don't like hearing anyone talk about Attack on yeah, Titan. Yeah. Cause they're just like, Oh, there's loads better than that. Like oh, what you like Attack on Titan. That's not anime. That's just cartoon game of Thrones or whatever. Yeah. But it's, it does have like it's anime tendencies and it's, the main character particularly is insufferable, which makes it quite difficult to watch. Where like he does, he has moments, and it's, he's just he's got like a relatable, consistent plot like throughout. But it's just it's, sometimes like he goes so, so like ultra emo. I'm just like, mate, shut up. Do you want to hear one thing that I don't like that I, like all animes I've ever watched do? What? Right. So someone says something, and then the characters react by going. Oh. Yeah, they do that. They right, do so because I've been playing fucking Final Fantasy VII, 
and I every fucking five minutes, like someone says something in the cloud, and he just goes, "Oh." Goes, yeah. I mean, clouds looking thick. He goes, as fuck. Oh, 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 oh. It's like yeah. how much he's so how awkward. much like how much are these voice actors getting paid, right, to sit in a fucking recording studio and just go, oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So Attack and Titan has that. Yeah, it def- definitely does. Yeah, it's gonna piss me off. <laughs> It's really, it's, it's, I mean, I listen to the English uh, version. Yeah. The, the, the dub, but it's, it's got some pretty weak voice acting, but the whole thing's really good. Like it's not, obviously I don't want to say anything about it, but it's, it, it's the grounded story deviates quite extremely from where it starts, mm. I think. To the point where like, I mean, personally, I couldn't have imagined season four being what season four is when I was watching season one. Because I think anime has that in it, and it, across video games and um, yeah. TV, where it sort of established so establishes itself in like borderline fantasy, borderline real world, to the point where there's not really any rules. They could just make something up for the point of a unique story point, which I quite like as someone who's at now maybe watched quite a few films yeah. and played quite a lot of video games. Um, it's quite nice to see like a new unique plot point. But then when I when I actually look back at Attack on Titan now, I'm a bit like, isn't that unique? But when throughout the process, I found it quite jarring and like, whoa, that's yeah. happening. I was quite excited by new developments all the time, and um, it's just really good. And the new there's runs of episodes like maybe four or five a few times throughout the show where it's just immaculate. And even you go on IMDb and like all the episodes like one by one like throughout a patch of the season are just tense yeah. like everyone just like is like that's immaculate tv and it's got like loads of war themes it's got really good uh twists it's got good character developments it's not afraid to like kill people it's just it's just a really mm. good show um so i'm excited about the new one i'll uh i might give it a watch i, I might i might give it a watch <laughs> i think even it, it's actually a show as well that i don't think it's hard to get into it's episode one of season one. It immediately just hits up breakpoint. It doesn't like take ages to get into it. It's like this is what the show is. Like, do you wanna do you wanna find out about these mm. things? You know, and you'll end episode one being like, do I like that or not? It's only twenty. Yeah, minutes. fair enough. I think so. that is always a deterrent for me um, watching new stuff. Is when series are like an hour long and you don't know if you're gonna get into it, and then you know sometimes some people will be like oh give it like a few episodes like you'll get it and it's always a little bit like am i gonna hate this i've got to watch four hours of it to work out whether i like it but if it's like 20 minute episodes i don't really mind as much about giving it a go so yeah yeah have a bash at some point i'll check it out and what have you been what have you been playing i've been playing silent hill 2 all right i've been saying i've been gonna play silent hill for a while i know yeah you have (laughs) i think it's proper good (laughs) how are you how are you playing it like the uh, uh, hd collection on playstation now um so it's all like when i first played it i was a bit like it either looks really good especially if you're like indoors Mm. um the character models and things look good but when you're in the streets like the mist and stuff looks really bad was it originally ps1 no was this a ps2 game 2 is ps2 yeah um so i'm not playing Silent hill one i'm just playing Silent Hill two and that's like, it's the combat and stuff's awful. The controls are fidgety. The 
actual fighting is pretty bad, but I don't think it's really the point. You can just avoid them anyway. It's survival horror. You've only got like a plank of wood anyway, or this where I yeah. <laughs> picked up a few bullets and that, but that's it. Um, it's just really like it's the thing that I found interesting about Silent Hill when I watched Twin Peaks season one. I still need mm. to get into Twin Peaks season two. Is that comparison of like Lynchian horror? Um, yeah, and it's it is proper like that actually. When you go back to it, it feels like almost maybe partly because of terrible voice acting but it almost feels like dreamy and everything that's happening yeah. you don't really even know what's real like you'll see someone in the street and there'll be a cutscene. you're like i don't know if that's a person is it imagination what's going on and i know i don't know where the story's going in silent hill and i'm excited to see but i know that it's a, a lot of it is about like reflecting on his own mistakes and his own like yeah his own evil in a sense i've never i've never played any of the silent hills they were another sort of game that came out when i was young and i mm. was too scared to play them so i didn't but yeah they're still scary just, just with you saying that there that's made me really want to really yeah i mean put, i didn't know, know i didn't know but all the 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 like enemies are actually like figments of um the character's like imagination and why he's done certain things so i think i believe that um he's he cheated on his wife and I don't know where she is. He's actually kept the silent hill to look for her, but she might be dead. I don't know. Um, and some of the creatures are like, uh, mannequins. So it's like, uh, women's bodies, but they've got like legs coming out of the neck and they're like twisted forms of women because that's sort of how he sees the female parts of his life because he's because he has guilt around, uh, being attracted to other women. It's it's quite like uh, it's quite well thought out, I think, especially for like an old game. And it's the atmosphere is thick, especially like if you just get in the buildings and stuff and just ignore the streets and the terrible mist. Like it's it's thick and it's terrifying. Yeah. I think that that is something I find quite appealing about it. Like just with you making that comparison to David Lynch, like I bum everything David Lynch. Yeah, you know, especially Twin Peaks. I'm obsessed with Twin Peaks, and I think some of my favorite horror anything is when they tap into that thing that David Lynch does so well, which is creating like a really dense unsettling atmosphere, Mm. um, like janky sort of stilted dialogue. Mm. Like when people deliver lines in a way that feels like unnatural and weird, it's so like unsettling and creepy. And then it's the fear of like the unknown the yeah. fear of like some like unseen entity, like, yeah. you know, you don't understand what's happening and that's what makes it scary. Yeah. I love, I love that sort of thing. It's literally, so. that's literally a description of Silent Hill. I mean, Silent Hill 2. I mean, the start, like just as you're approaching the city, um, you meet like a woman in like a graveyard and she's just like, oh, are you looking for your wife? And you're like, and he's like, yeah. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, I'm looking for my like husband. And then it's like, oh, okay. And they're all like, they don't really know how to talk to each other. And then she's like, anyway, enjoy your day. And she just like carries on like, sort of like sweeping leaves in a graveyard. Oh, God. I'm just yeah. like, what's going on? Do you know what I mean? I love stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get this. <laughs> and then you just continue into like the town. And then there's like these mannequins legging around. And it's just fucking weird. It's it's really good though. And it's on PlayStation now. So I, I never really got into PlayStation now. But there's so many games on there now where you can just go back and just be like, yeah. ship away at this. I tried PlayStation. Now's the streaming thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I tried it with Metal Gear Solid Three, 
and I don't know. I don't know whether it was the because it was the internet in my old my old um apartment that like wasn't it wasn't it couldn't hack it really. Mm. Um, but my internet's a lot better. <laughs> That's the yeah. end of the story. <laughs> I might give it a go. <laughs> maybe I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> but I'm glad. I'm glad I've got back in. I'm glad I finally played the Silent Hill games and. I'll get definitely get through them because I was holding off for like the reboot, but obviously that sort of got yeah. canned, and that was a Kojima thing. And well, it's rumored to be back on now. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's been say. some sort of heavy rumors that they've reconciled and. But have they though? Is it just going to be another like half done mess? Well, uh, well I don't know. Why not, I love the I guess. P- the the concept of that PT demo. Where I never got to play it. My my friend had it. No, got taken down, didn't he? Yeah, you can still play. The only way you can play it now is if you can get a hold. If you have it and you never deleted it when it uh, from your hard drive when it came out, or you know, there's like a there's like a, an, a whole industry online of like people selling PlayStation Fours with PT installed yeah. for like absurd <laughs> amount of money because uh, it's just so fucking hard to come across now. But uh, no, I I think I might have actually watched someone play it, but I didn't actually play it myself. Mm. Like I was in the room while they were playing it. Briefly. Yeah. Did you see about like the <laughs> how it was like to like progress? You like had to just go around like a square corridor and like it yeah. just looped around. But like to get to the next sort of like phase um, of that corridor, and it, it, whether the lights were off or there was a different enemy, or you'd move the the woman who sort of stalked you into a different mm. place. You had to like do things like talk to the controller. <laughs> And like read notes out loud. It's uh, so Kojima. Like, it's <laughs> so. Like, re- remember the very first Metal Gear Solid when you had to switch the controller port to stop Psycho Mantis from reading? Yeah, the yeah. Bones. Like, it's just so. Yeah, it's so yeah. him. It yeah. looked like it was onto something really good. And obviously, like, it was just like PT, and everyone was like, oh, this is cool. And then you get to the end, and it was Silent Hills, I think yeah. they called it, um, with Norman Reedus. So it's yeah. exciting. I did it. I mean, the Metal Gear Solid games have always had a sort of undercurrent of horror to them. They've never leaned into that much, but it's always been there. So I always thought Hideo Kojima would be really good at doing a horror game. Um, I hope that I hope that he gets to make that. Definitely. Well, anyway, what's your uh, what's your this week, Steve? Um, I've been watching One Division. I was oh, yeah. going to ask if you've been watching it because uh, are you are you big on Marvel stuff? All right. It's a proper casual. Did you yeah. see Endgame? Yeah. I, think I know what should... the setup is for it. And I, I think I know enough about it to be able to watch it without being able to like get into the hardcore comic references. Uh, I mean, you don't need that. I don't think, I mean, I think the Marvel stuff in general is pretty good at being welcoming enough to, you know, not like hardcore fans. Yeah. Um, while still being really entertaining. But One Division, um, is so good (laughs) it's so good it's like i mean even for marvel i'm a big i enjoy marvel stuff a lot whilst acknowledging a vast proportion of it like i don't think there's a single bad marvel um, like mcu film but i think like at its worst it can be quite average and uninspired um i think wandavision is some of the best one of the best marvel anything i've seen Mm. just full stop it's definitely so far one of my favorite marvel I, I mean obviously it's the first marvel show that's come out but it's of all of the entire mcu it's like really up there for me and it, it specifically going back to again my other god david lynch like it it has some 
obvious nods to like the work of David Lynch and stuff really? in it. Like it has a very it, it does atmosphere very well. Yeah. Um and it's very good at sort of especially in the earlier episodes, going from schlocky, silly comic humor, um, specifically like sort of like it's mimicking like old sitcoms and stuff, into just like terrifying, unsettling horror. It's mm. really good at it and it's I'm just totally captivated by it. And then there's been a huge, huge uh, twist in episode in one of the episodes that's just been on. Um, right at the end of that episode, I was just screaming what at the TV. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I would say definitely watch it. I'd really like to maybe like do an episode on it yeah, yeah. Um, once it's finished. But uh, yeah, that's been great. And also I bought a Nintendo 3DS secondhand mm-hmm off eBay and I've been playing Super Mario 3D Land. Mm. I've seen um, on our Instagram. I've seen on our, well, uh, I got like a little, <laughs> got a, like a bundled 3DS secondhand that came with Super Mario 3D Land. One of the Super Mario Bros games, like the, the new ones where it's like a 2D, 3D side scroller and, um, Super Mario 64 DS, which I had on my original DS when I was a kid. Yeah. And it also came with uh, Dora the Explorer. Um, I can't remember what it's called. It's a Dora the Explorer <laughs> game. Um, obviously really excited to play that. Super Mario 3D Land's fucking class, though. Yeah. I love Mario. <laughs> I think that I, I read a lot of stuff online. People like sort of knocking the 3DS, like the 3D on DS, um, the stereoscopic 3D. Yeah. It, I think it's brilliant. Yeah, it yeah. rinses the battery life on it, um, but I'm very much enjoying it. Um, and I also, like I said, I got Super Mario 3D World, the reissue for the Switch, which is like a spiritual sequel. Well, it, it is. It's a sequel to 3D Land. Yeah. But obviously without the stereoscopic 3D because it was originally for the Wii U. Yeah. And that's come bundled with this brand new um, like sort of like mini side game, mm. Bowser's Fury, which looks insane i haven't played it yet but i'm yeah i'm looking forward to playing that so these are like mario games that came out what eight ten years ago something like that they're not I don't re- know the years that they remakes. came out no 3d land three what 3d land was uh, uh it was sort of like the first hybridization of like classic 2d mario with 3d mario game mechanics so it's yeah. like it's like mini linear Obviously, with it being handheld, like the levels are quite short, and it's like linear 3D levels that have all of like the trappings of like classic, uh, like 2D Mario. So like you get like mushrooms and fire flowers mm. and stuff, and if you get hit by an enemy, then you turn into like a tiny little version of Mario, and then <laughs> and it uh, like at the end of every level, you have to jump on the flagpole, and if you get to the top, you know it's it's got all of that stuff that like the sort of like 3D Mario games. Charm. Yeah, they sort of like jettisoned all of that, like from like 64 onwards. Hmm. Um, and then the first one was 3D, 3D Land, which came out in the 3DS. And then the sequel, sequel was 3D World for the Wii U. Hmm. It, uh, yeah, the sequel was 3D World for the Wii U, which like nobody had Wii U. So they've reissued it on the Switch. Um, and first impressions is I don't like it as much as 3D Land. Um, cause the thing with 3d land is that it uses the 3d on the 3ds really well to give you a yeah. sense of perspective of where you are. It's like yeah. fixed camera angles, which typically is quite hard in a 3d environment to sort of work out where you're going to land if like for a platformer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But with 3d land, 
being actually having a sense of 3D space because of the 3D effect on the screen, it works yeah, really yeah. well. Oh, I feel that's like interesting. That's sort of lost with 3D World, but the main reason I got 3D World is because it comes with Bowser's Fury, um, which is like, I think is again, it uses like the, the game mechanics of uh, 3D World, but it sort of crosses it over with Super Mario Odyssey. And it's like a big sort of sandbox world where you run around and periodically throughout the game, um, for some reason, Bowser is turned into like a giant like kaiju type monster that rises <laughs> out of the sea and chases you around the map, like raining like a hail of like fireballs on you. And you have to like, and he, it's kind of like similar to say like Mr. X in like Resident Evil 2, where he'll just appear and he'll mm. just come after you. And then you might get away from him and then he'll disappear for a while and then he'll just come back and, and he'll just complicate the map. Like it's, yeah, yeah, it yeah. feels like very sort of experimental. Like, yeah, yeah. Like they've released a work in progress of what the next we can expect from like the next full 3D Mario game. And it just looks yeah, really yeah. interesting. I Again, I only got it yesterday, so I haven't had a chance to play it yet, but I'm, uh, I'm very, it, it looks fucking cool. So. And so you've been burning Mario games over the last like... I've discovered that I absolutely adore Mario. Like, (laughs) and I think, like, growing up, I had like Nintendo console. I had a GameCube. I had a DS. Um, I kind of skipped over the Wii and the Wii U. I never really, you know, I I always thought like when it came to platforming, like I liked Crash Bandicoot and wasn't that into Mario. As as if they're the opposites of each other. But you know, in like (laughs) in my mind, it was like Crash Bandicoot and Mario. They were the big platformers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but picking like just trying to kind of justify the cost of buying a switch by playing all the mario games i've just kind of done that over the last year and like i'm fucking obsessed with mario it's so good it's so good nice fun i I can't really i don't really think i've been into ever been into a proper mario game apart from like i played them as a kid yeah i never i wouldn't really say i was like too hardcore into it i mean who is that that's the thing Maybe me. sometimes like <laughs> <laughs> me with Bowser's Fury in the 3Ds. Um, I don't know, but who? But people aren't too into it. There's not much to get into. You just let yourself go into it. It's just classic video gaming, isn't it? To a degree. Yeah, I mean, in terms of like plotting and stuff like that, it's non-existent. But you don't need that because the thing with Mario is, I you feel like you're immersing yourself into just pure pure creativity like that is the thing that really strikes me especially especially so with like super mario odyssey super mario galaxy um they're just insane the endless creativity that goes into the level designs like things will just happen that just make you smile from like ear to ear mario i think is really the the only game i can think of that I've played in like the last God knows how many years that I've picked up and I just grin when I play it. Yeah, yeah. It's just pure enjoyment and you don't need like flashy writing or super fancy graphics, even though the graphics in the later 3D Mario games especially are really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. It's just just pure joyous fun. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's a really nice way to sort of relax while the world yeah. outside is burning yeah um, sort of what video games are always meant to be i guess in it yeah and absolutely Mario was the one of the founding fathers of the video game culture we now have which is more predominantly in big strong men on the front of video game boxes mm-hmm. and 
um, elaborate stories that you have to relate to and cry at and stuff like that. I mean, it's fine, but it's it. it video games have lost that yeah. a lot. There's not there's not many of this. What you're saying, where it's just like innocent, joyous. I think that's why, like Nintendo, really deserve um, commending for being able to not be swayed by the uh, the trappings of like modern game design and the the trends and stuff. Just continue doing their own thing, and mm. not only that, but consistently put out just fantastic, creative enjoyable games you know yeah uh you know the, like even now with like god knows how many fucking millions of mario games exist in the past you know like there's just fucking endless mario games to play and not all of them are great but you can still count on nintendo to just release consistently good stuff mm. and it's never um it's never a, like, beholden to the everything else that games are doing at the time so yeah I think yeah. from like from now on, I can see myself always having a Nintendo console because like I skipped over like the Wii and the Wii U because I was a bit like, oh, I'm not like taken in by the gimmicks. But now I'm like kicking myself because I know that there were some really great games on those consoles that I missed out on. Yeah. And yeah. and it's now I kind of like feel like I never really want to miss out on what Nintendo is doing because mm. I missed out on those releases, you know, like the Galaxy games, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. So. Yeah, because otherwise you'll have to buy someone's uh, second-hand 3DS with a Wii. Yeah, their coronavirus-ridden 3DS. <laughs> furiously disinfect it, probably. <laughs> I don't know. What was what was the... Is that this avatar? I saw that photo you put on. So, like, did he not delete his data and he left a photo of himself? I obviously... I f- well, they, they hadn't formatted the DS when they sent me it, so it, it came with this app on it that i must have got from the nintendo e-shop called like face face scribbler or something like that and it because yeah. the ds has a camera on it and it would basically like take your face and put it on like a little animated like avatar and it was just yeah. filled with the faces of like these terrifying looking people that were made even more ter- like terrifying by the the way that like the the pixelation had like contorted <laughs> them into like these uncanny valley monsters. Um, <laughs> so valley I put like monsters. a picture of it on my Instagram with like oh I bought a DS off uh, eBay and it came preloaded with a picture of the Zodiac Killer on it. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah, but I, f- I formatted it. They're not on there anymore now. Oh, but, uh, that's sad. Anyway, uh, I think that'll do it. So yeah, thanks a lot for everyone who's been listening week to week. We really appreciate it. Um, obviously, we're just like a brand new podcast, so we weren't expecting anybody to listen. And the fact that we can sort of look at our analytics and see that there has consistently been people tuning in every week is is really, really lovely. Um, so mm. don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at at buttonchopspod. Um, please, please, please leave us a review as allegedly it helps. And yeah. uh, if you want to drop us a line, maybe like if people start getting in touch, we could start like reading out letters on the show or whatever. Um, mm. yeah, just you let can, us know you're listening. Yeah, just just let us know that you're out there. Um, <laughs> How you are can, you doing? What's, what, what have you been up to? <laughs> Tell us. Gladly. Us. <laughs> gladly. Any human contact, please. <laughs> I'm desperate here. We'll reply individually immediately. <laughs> We promise we won't send you any porn. 
That was, <laughs> that was a callback to a previous episode. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you can drop us a line. Just DM us on our social media pages or email us at buttonchopspodcast at gmail.com. Um, all of that will be in the show notes. Uh, you can follow me, that's Chris, on Instagram and Twitter at Beezus Fafoon. Um, I also have a YouTube channel, uh, Little Davy Reviews Things. Check that out. Uh, do you want to plug your mm. personal things? My things are just at Clever Woot. That's his things. <laughs> that's my thing that's his things <laughs> Instagram and Twitter clever woot yep. don't want to know about anything else follow us give us validation like our photos tell us that we're yeah. loved <laughs> yeah uh, allow yeah. me to allow me to tell my parents how far I've came <laughs> um, yeah so thanks a lot um, we'll see you next week bye 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 <laughs>